A lot of people don't do things because they're scared of trying. They're scared of failing. Nowadays, we're scared of, of someone seeing us fail. We don't care about failing, but we're scared of someone videoing it. And so people designate that with fear. As far as I'm concerned, fear, even for me today, fear is for me to be the exact same person in six months' time as I am today. I need to go and speak on stage. I need to challenge people to do more. I need to write a book, do a course, do podcasts, get out, communicate, urge people. I want one person from this podcast to go, that boy can do it, I can. In a world where there's so much noise and information, one podcast is on a mission to cut the fluff and get strategic. A place where you receive the latest tips to expanding your leadership, optimizing your business, and ways to become a truly peak performance human. Now, get ready as your host, Jake Havron, is here to help you live the strategic life. Hey, welcome back to the Strategic Life Podcast. It's your host here, Jake Havron, and today I'm sitting across a man that is known as the Wizard of Oz because he is the master connector, the person behind the curtains for the longest time working with people like Elton John, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, setting up things that you couldn't even imagine where they're having private dinners at the feet of David. You know, they're, 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 he's renting out museums for people to have experiences and he has done this because of relationships. But what you're gonna find in this episode is, this is not how his life always was. He was from very humble beginnings. He didn't have anything handed to him. He had to go out and find his way to make this happen. And now here he is today on the launch of his new book. We got The Go For Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. And we're gonna be diving into some tactics some strategies, ways to build better relationships, how to have better communication. There's so many stories that you're gonna to wanna to hear about this man with the top legends of this world. And uh, you're really gonna feel the, the soul come through him because it's not just him just sharing this to impress you, but to, it's to impress upon what's possible for you. Because as he says in this interview, if he can do it, then you definitely can do it. So listen into this one. This one will be a fun one. It's an exciting one. I'm laughing a lot in this interview. So without further ado, I would love to have us be introduced to Mr. Steve Sims. Great to have you here. This is exciting. I know that you live not too far away from where we're at. And uh, man, you are so inspiring with this idea of going for stupid. You know, the art of achieving, of setting, of creating, of whatever you want to see it, ridiculous goals. Where the heck does that even come from, my friend? It, it, it came from a concierge firm that I had called Bluefish. And this, this, this firm was, we called it a Trojan horse. We wanted to have conversations with the most amazing, wealthy, successful people in the planet. Mm. But this was the 90s. So we didn't have podcasts. You know, I swear that... If, you know, fast forward, if it had been today, I'd do podcasts to have those conversations. But back then, to get into those kind of circles and yeah. those sandpits, I had to be able to do things, get people in the little parties, get people in the restaurants that, you know, were booked out that night. Started off the small stuff and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And what we used to do was we used to have this little saying that people would say to us, oh, I need, I need uh, front row seats at Elton John's concert. And we would sit around the table with, with, at the time, a small team of mm -hmm. us. And we'd be like, okay, 
How can we make this request stupid? How can we take it just to another <laughs> level? How can we make it ridiculous? At the time, everyone was saying things like, how can I make the impossible possible? Mm. And impossible stands for I'm possible. Yeah. That's all bullshit. The second you you mention that word, it's like Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. giving it power. Yeah. yeah. How many people do you go, hey, I'm going to go for the impossible. Ah, what was I thinking? It's impossible. What do I So know? good. The, the, the words have power. The words kill it. Yeah. Don't they? You suddenly become owned by that word. As soon yeah. as you say it, you recognize it's actually not going to be achievable. Mm. So we used to go, okay, what's the stupid result here? And we used to go for that. Now, we weren't always successful, but here was the thing that we did notice. If we multiplied the request by 20 times, we'd fail and be 10 times above what the original request was. So we used to, we've done some stupid stuff. We had well, clients, t- t- Tell us, man, what's some stupid stuff you've done? We had a client wanted to have the most amazing wedding, so we thought, what about the Vatican with the Pope? Um, we had a client that challenged us, he wanted the most amazing dining experience in Florence. So I, cl- I closed down the Academia de Galleria in Florence, which is the famous museum that houses Michelangelo's David. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Nine o'clock at night, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, while the client's in his own museum, eating a beautiful meal at the feet of David, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him while he's eating his pasta. So, so hold on. You got the Pope. You got, you got the feet of David over here. Like, you know, our listeners right now, this is awesome. By the way, this guy, you can already tell, he's got so much energy, literally so many stories behind this. But we, we, I love to really break down what actually got you to that point in the sense of like, how do you get the Pope involved? Is it just financial or is there no. like, you need to have people that you know? Like what yes. was the actual like ways that you put together? Cause I feel like anyone would try to do that if it was just a financial game. If you have enough money, you could get the Pope involved, anyone but that's not what it is. Anyone could try to do it financially and I guarantee you everybody would fail. So what, what was the secret sauce? Like you The know. secret sauce is relationships. Yeah. And in a world where we're getting really bad at it, we need to focus on it. It's the club. Look, you're a fitness guy, you know? So you know full well, if you don't use it, you lose it. We're actually losing the ability to communicate. Mm. Most of the stuff we do today is bark orders, whether it be Facebook advertising, you know, calling up Siri, Alexa. You go home and I, I say to my son, I'll turn the air conditioning down. He will walk past the air conditioning nest system, pick up his phone and go, hey, Alexa, you know, set it for 69. That's what we've become now. Wow. And with COVID, we've become really bad at communicating. Yeah. I, was with, uh, I was with Elton John. I worked for Elton John for eight years. Wow. And we were at uh, his Oscar party up in um, uh, West Hollywood. This guy came over to him and said, oh, so Elton, it's great to be here. And Elton, you know, he's a, he's a weird character. He's <laughs> yeah. a strong boy. And he turned around and he's like, hi, how are you? And he's like, hey, I'm having a barbecue and a big party in my private mansion. You know, how much would it cost to have you fly in? And he went, I can't, I'm busy. And he walked off. The guy didn't even say what date it was, but he was busy. Yeah. The second you asked to buy something, you just prostituted the person. Mm. How much would it cost me to do this? If I said to you, hey, will you do this for money? We're now focusing at the money rather than the reason, the cause, mm. the why. So whenever I get involved with someone, I go, look, I've got this idea. I've got this concept. I've got this dream. And I want you to be part of it. This is what I'm thinking. And I get them into the dream first. Mm. You buy a car, 
don't be surprised you've got to stick fuel in it. So that's the payment. But first of all, you've got to get him into the dream. I want this to happen. Florence, I, I've got this idea. My clients challenge me for the most amazing Italian meal. I don't know of anyone more amazing than this. Can, you know, what do you think about this idea? And when I told him about the idea, and again, notice I never asked permission. Yes. I never said, can we do this? Yeah. I never said, how much can it cost me? Both of those would have rubbed them up the wrong way. But I challenged them. Can you imagine this location? Can you imagine any better meal for that night? Can you imagine any better diet? And all he turned around and he said, no, we can't imagine anything better, but we've never done it before. And when they say you've never done it before, you go, then let's make history. There is an opportunity. Let's you make know? history. And, and so you're not given the chance for the person to say no. Yeah. So you get them into the dream and then you go, what needs to happen here? Yeah. And then you work that. Now, first of all, everything's about relationships. Yeah. Now, I, I, never, I never started off with a Rolodex. I came from East London. I was a bricklayer. I was kicked out of school at the age of 15. So any listeners are out there thinking, he, it's easy for him. He's right. good looking and British. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I worked on an Irish construction firm for like about four years of my life until I was pissed off that I wasn't going to accept this mm. as my life. And I would stand on the way on the on the building site, getting pissed on during the day, looking at people driving to work in a nice suit in a nice car, and going, "How are you doing it?" And so I went out with that aggravation to try and find out how to do it. And you work on relationships. And what what did you do at that time? You know, fifteen year old you, or at well, that point, I tried to get a load of jobs that would surround myself with people that were financially able. Okay, okay, it's no point in me getting uh, getting um, into a conversation at a biker bar because they're all broke. I knew that because I was in that biker bar. Mm. So I needed to have conversations with people that had money, had wealth, had success. So I tried getting yacht charter, jet charter, security, uh, financial advisors. All of these jobs that worked for the affluent, I failed at every single one of them. So I became educated on what I wasn't good at. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, I ended up getting a job in Hong Kong as a trainee stockbroker. Um, Landed in Hong Kong uh, for this job, lasted one day and was fired. Then I ended up working at a nightclub and I was the bouncer. Big, ugly fella, seemed to be perfect for the job. Still in Hong Kong? Still in Hong Kong. Yeah. But there's something wonderful and, and weirdly dysfunctional about entrepreneurs. We see things differently. Mm -hmm. yeah, do you know Dr. Sean Stevenson or did you know him? Uh, yeah, no. The, so he must yeah. have heard of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, Sean, the, the Model Health Show? Or a different... Yeah, um, the, um, oh, what was his chef? He did a, um, the three-foot chef. He did a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, okay. Different Sean Stevenson. Yeah. Okay. There, and there Sean, is, yeah. Sean Stevenson used to say, the guy was in a... He was on a wheelchair, not in. He was yeah. on a wheelchair. He was always fast to correct you there. He always used to turn around and go, was this done for me or to me? Mm. And that's what entrepreneurs do. We recognize things differently. We see things differently. So when I'm at the nightclub and I'm on the door thinking... I've got no money. Now my job description is just to punch people. Mm -hmm. There's two other meatheads on the door that just really wanted to get through the night with as little blood on their shirts as possible and go home with one of the hot girls. That was them. But me, I got a pedestal to look at human interaction. I was getting an MBA on you know, human psychology yes, and body language. Yes. We see it. So I started, you know, oh, he's got money. I'm going to talk to him. Hey, you having a good night tonight? And I would just spark it. Are you going to this part? Oh, I can't get in. 
let me see if I can help you. Oh, man. And so it started yeah. that way. And then I would meet up with him a few days later and go, oh, did you get in? Yeah, I did. Thanks for that, Steve. Yeah. Great. Well, what do you do? And I would start interviewing them. And I've ended up interviewing, quite simply, some of the most powerful people in the planet, the richest people in the planet, people I guarantee you've never heard of right. that own things like countries. Crazy. I've had, I've had those crazy While still in Hong Kong, you're doing this? Or were oh, you out I of it? I went from Hong Kong, Bangkok, ended up living in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, moved over to London for just a little bit, then over to Palm Beach, and I'm now here in Los Angeles. And this was going really well until... About six, seven years ago, Forbes did an expose on me, okay? Now, you would think getting an eight-page article in Forbes is brilliant. Right. It had me with Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Elton John, you know, John Paul Azuria, some of the most powerful people around, and it killed my business. Why is that? Because the powerful people that I was dealing with used to pretend that it was him, them. That oh, so all wow. of a sudden, overnight, everyone was like, hang on. Did you use Sims for that? And they'd be like, oh, no, no, who's Sim? So overnight, my about 30% of my business went down. So in the highest of potential points of like being up there with all these people, yeah. it actually turned out to be a low point for you. Yeah, it was kind of weird because um, I think it was Forbes that actually said on a different article that I was the most connected person in the planet that you've never heard of. Mm. And I used to love that anonymity. I would roll around on motorcycles like I did today, you yeah, know, yeah. pull up on a motorcycle, you know, come in, do the job, get it done, get you a drum lesson with Guns and Moses, get you a guitar <laughs> lesson with ZZ Top, and then, then I'd be gone again in the wind. And so no one knew who I was. But of course, <laughs> then I got media and media and media. Oh, wow. And it, it just changed. It just changed the business. And it also made it harder for me to get into things. Yeah. Because while they knew it was being done, they didn't want me talking about it too much. But then Simon and Schuster came along and said, do you want to do a book? Actually, that first book they said, would you be open to doing a book naming all of these people that you dealt with? Mm. Some of the people I've been dealing with around the planet are a bit colorful. And if I named names, I wouldn't make it the cocktail hour. Right. So, you know, my whole, my whole um, secret sauce, my whole thing was, I know how to be quiet. So good. And, um, and what I love about that, there's so much to unpack on this because that actual moment where you were on Forbes, supposed to be the highest point, yeah. dropped significantly. That actually opened up a new avenue as it you shared. Did. But I just want to make sure that you listening right now that you got to understand this man was came from basically just a small town, not doing anything, had no entrepreneur background. But the coolest thing, and I resonate so much, is how you started to understand humans. Because you were at that position where you saw who needed to come in, you saw who's crazy, who's wealthy. And I relate a lot with that. And I want you to listen and, and think about you listening right now. Think about how does that play in your job? Maybe the job that you're in before, like how does that maybe play into the new role you're about to be? I used to be a nurse. How does nursing play in entrepreneurship? Well, most people say absolutely no way, but I was able to also read humans as well. I was barely getting by in school. I was making, you know, I played basketballs on a full scholarship, but I was getting C's and B's and there's no A's involved. But the thing that made me a good nurse is I knew how to connect with people because mm. that was my compensation. I was like, well, if I'm not going to be a bookworm, let me make people feel like I'm like their cheerleader and their superstar when I'm helping this 75 year old grandma. All the grandmas loved me. But 
but that allowed me to understand humans. So now when I take care of humans in a different way, it's actually a superpower. Yeah. And it's so cool for that you shared that, that while you were bouncing at a place in Hong Kong, you started to understand how to build relationships. Yeah. Let that right now sink in. This man is here today with one of his most powerful skills in one of probably the most awkward, weird, desperate times maybe. You literally were in Hong Kong and you traveled the world. And that is so cool, my friend. So I just wanted to really point that out. But continue onward with, so you you had this high, you were this kind of, almost like they call you what, the Wizard of Oz? Yeah, Forbes did, in the article, they called me the Wizard of Oz, the real life Wizard of Oz. The real life Wizard of Oz. Who is this man behind the curtain that's helping everything orchestrate? And now they showed the curtain. Mm. And so your your career in that sense somewhat, plum, somewhat plummeted, but then what opened from there? Straight off the bat, we got a lot of media, and this is a here's the daft thing: the standard. I've got to be a little bit careful how I say this. The people that I was dealing with at the highest level, still friends with them, but now I wasn't doing business with them. Mm. But I got a new group of clients, so the revenue was there. But now I was dealing with a lot more. Should we say wannabes? The millionaires that wanted to be the billionaires. You know? <laughs> so I was ending up with a lot more of those. And it made it a little bit harder because I was amazed at how much ego was in millionaires Mm. and it went once you got to the billionaire status. Mm. So, you know, it became a little bit hard. But then out of the blue, I got offered this job, this book by Simon & Schuster. Um, And I was like, I've never done a book before, you know. Okay, why not? You know, I thought it'd be fun to just poke my kids that now I'm an author. If anyone's ever received an email from me or even a text, they know I can't even spell (laughs) Um, But I didn't want it to get in the way of me writing this book. So I wrote Blue Fishing and I wrote the book with the idea, okay, this is how I do it. It's very basic. It's very primitive, which is me, Yeah, you know? And it was, how do you connect with anyone? How do you communicate? How do you bring value? How do you talk Mm. to people? How do you talk to the wealthy? Here's a little funny thing. And you can actually watch this and you can see on TV. Have you noticed how... When someone's wealthy, the person talking to them bows Mm. without realizing it. And you can watch this. If you watch the Oscars and the red carpet or something like that, there'll be someone at the side calling the celebrity. When the celebrity comes over, they will bow and pass them something to be autographed. We subconsciously bow. How can we talk to someone on an even keel by the first thing we do is stick them on a pedestal five five foot higher? Yeah. But people do that. so I, that kind of didn't make any sense to me. So I put this all in blue fishing, didn't expect it to do any good. You know, I just wanted to blur out what I did, how I did it. Um, it took off. It got translated in Mandarin, Chinese, <laughs> Thai, Vietnamese, Korean, Polish, Russian, became a bestseller everywhere, did really, really well. And all of a sudden opened up another door. Now I'm coaching, I'm speaking, I'm training all over the planet literally and did you ever see yourself doing that before no i did not um but i i said to you at the beginning my business was a trojan horse i didn't care about getting you a drum lesson with guns and roses Mm -hmm. or getting you on stage with journey or getting you in this you know one of the big blockbuster movies i didn't care about that i needed to make that happen because i cared about having a conversation with you two days later Mm -hmm. you know that was my focus. Let me get that done because that's my focus. Do a really good job here because I need to talk to you. So I didn't care about being on the red carpet. I didn't care about you know entering. There's not 
a event in the planet that I've not had my fingers in. Arrogant. Paris Fashion Week, Milan, London, Hamptons Polo, Formula One, Grammys, Oscars, you name it, I guarantee I've had my fingers in it. But I never wanted to do that. I'm not that kind of guy mm. that, that wanted that. So when it came around to the speaking, I thought, do I want to be speaking? And a lot of the time, and you know this, you do content. Yeah. A lot of people that do any kind of content and any kind of visibility, the biggest mistake in the planet is to first realize it's about you because it ain't. Yeah. It's got fuck what to do with you. Yeah. It's about what do you have that can help someone else? So I'm there going, well, look, you know, you're worried about what you look like. No one gives a toss. Yeah. They care about what you bring to the party. How can you help them with that problem? For me, I was working with billionaires and I used to say, this was my pitch. People would say, what do you do? I give you more interesting cocktail stories. That would be it. You know, that was my whole thing. I so help you good. appear more interesting. Such a good pitch. I love that. Yeah. And that was, my, that was my, my polished pitch for that. So when I was out speaking, I was like, oh, I don't know how. And there'd be these guys up there and they would be like smooth and dynamic and PowerPoint yeah. presentations. And I'd just go up on stage and I'd be like, how would you like to learn how to connect with Elton John? How would you like to speak with Elon Musk? How would you like to speak with the most powerful people in the planet and have the clients that you want, not the clients again? And I would just blurt it out. It resonated. Uh, it took off and five years later, that's what I do. And of course, you know, I've got this second book come out, but it made me giggle when Simon Schuster did the first book. And again, no one knew who I was apart from this kind of article and stuff like that. I had 16 followers on Instagram. I reckon 14 of those. There's no were. excuse now if you have no <laughs> followers on Instagram, right? <laughs> I, had, I had 16 and I reckon 14 of those were probably lost. Uh, and just stumbled on upon me. Um, and I remember Simon Schuster going, and they said this, there was this girl there, tiny little girl. And I looked at her and I thought, I thought one of the other people had brought her to, brought her to work for a school trip. I thought it was a little school kid, you know? And she was in charge of social. Oh, my God. And she was like, well, we've got to get your profile up. And I was like, well, just had an eight-page spread in, in Forbes. And she looked at me and she went, yeah, no one reads Forbes and you've only got 16 people on Instagram. And she shot me down in flames. I was like, oops. <laughs> and, of course, we all go through the usual mistakes. Well, I better look like this. I better look like that. Yeah. And then I was like, but no, I don't. I'm doing all right. I've got money. Yeah. I ain't got to worry about my mortgage. You know, I'm pretty good with me. You know, I said to you earlier, and I celebrated my 30-year wedding anniversary Beautiful. the other week. So, you know, I'm, I'm all right. But then I suddenly realized I wasn't happy with the way people were doing business. Mm. So I thought, if I can aid that person, as you pointed out, in the in-between of their life, they're in a job they don't really like, but they're a little, little bit scared of doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm there to go, hang on a minute, the scare is not doing this. The scary is staying where the fuck you are. Yeah. And I realized from a very early age, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story if I may. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, really quick before you tell that story. So the thing that set you over the edge, because you were almost in a quote unquote status quo, you were comfortable, like you didn't have to keep pushing forward. Yep. But the thing that put you over the edge is when you got out of thinking about yourself and you started thinking about those people that were stuck in their bad life. Yeah. And that's what got you over the edge. Is that what happened? That is exactly what pushed me over. Yeah, that is so good. And you listening right now, like, think about your life. If you are 
stuck, you're complacent, you're, you're at that status quo, you, you're afraid to go all in with entrepreneurship, or you're afraid to you know, hire your first team because you want to take all that, that commission yourself or whatever that is, get out of your own way. You know, mm-hmm. like how like Steve just shared here, he had to get out of his own way because he had a comfortable life. You had a beautiful relationship. You had good money, great money. You had great connections, great relationships. But when you started thinking about the people that needed your help, oh, the whole ball game changed. It that did. That is so beautiful. It absolutely did. My, my, my granddad, big, thick Irish lad, and I was on the building site with him when we were like 16, when I was 16 years old. And um, he was like nearly 80. And of course, like when you're, when you're 16, someone who's 80 looks like a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 55 year old now, so, you know, I'm probably that dinosaur. <laughs> but I remember looking at him and I walked over to him during tea break and I went, Granddad, did you ever think you'd be doing this at your age? which is probably one of the rudest things to say. He didn't even look at me. He just blew into his tea and he said, son, if you don't quit today, you'll be me tomorrow. Wow. And that changed my identity and relationship to fear. A lot of people don't do things because they're scared of trying. Mm. They're scared of failing. Nowadays, we're scared of, of someone seeing us mm. fail. We don't care about failing, but we're scared of someone videoing it. Being judged, and suddenly, yeah. yeah. Exactly, we're in the judging economy. Yeah. And so people designate that with fear. As far as I'm concerned, fear, even for me today, fear is for me to be the exact same person in six months' time as I am today. Mm. I need to go and speak on stage. I need to challenge people to do more. I need to write a book, do a course, do podcasts, get out, yeah. communicate, urge people. I want one person from this podcast to go, fuck it, if that boy can do it, I yeah. can. Yeah, let that sink in. Fear is me being the same person six months from now to not change, yeah. to not grow. Terrifying. Because if we know that we're not growing, you're dying. There's no complacency. So for you to be the same person, you're probably actually going to be worse if you didn't change. 100%. That is so, let that sink in. That is so good. That's what a growth mindset is. And it's a growth mindset, not just in business, but all areas. You know, the relationship shouldn't be the same six months from now. No. The, the financial shouldn't be the same. The family life shouldn't be the same. Nothing should. Should all be growing. I think, I think the, the trouble is a lot of people, as soon as you talk to people about growth mindset, there's almost this kind of like, oh, here he goes. Yeah, yeah. It he's washes gonna, over. He's going to start giving me quotes and start making me sing Kumbaya around a fire pit. Yeah. Screw the growth mindset. Focus on the aggravation. Are you really fucking happy we're here? Mm. You know, you're pissed off. Most entrepreneurs move on aggravation, okay? Elon Musk was, was perplexed that it took five days for money to go from one US bank account to another. So he was so annoyed about it, he invented PayPal. You know, he was annoyed at the way the motor industry was. He invented Tesla. He was annoyed at space travel. Invented SpaceX. Most entrepreneurs start off aggravated. And Joe Polish, he always says, it's aggravated oysters that make pearls. We're aggravated. We don't want to settle where we are, so we do something about it. And that's what you need to work with. You want to, you want to get mumbo jumbo on growth mindset? Just look at where you are. If you're fucking happy, turn off this podcast. Good luck, you mate. But I'm guaranteed if you got this far into the podcast, you're not happy. And that's a good thing. Yes. Because that aggravation will prepare you to do something about it. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's so much to this. And I love breaking down. You are like full of wisdom. And it's so cool that you say that because 
Um, I talk about like influence. I literally do a live workshop on optimizing influence and the basic human psychology and understanding of why humans do certain things. And the pain, running away from a pain is always temporary. So like, for example, if you're trying to get away from your, your terrible nine to five, if you're trying to like, you know, not have to ever not pay a bill again or whatnot, that is usually, like you said, people are aggravated. They're the ones that make you change the fastest, but that's not the long-term vision. That will only last for a certain part. If you're trying to drive people by pain for their entire life, they'll they'll go insane. You need to have enough pain to get you started. Like Elon, he saw this pain of the five days in between. How do we connect the gap? But then after a while, it has to transition into a long-term vision. It has to be the pleasure, right? Yeah. Now, now Elon sees, because he's still driven by pain. He's like, I don't want it to be where human go, humans go extinct. We need to have people on Mars. And now he's like, that's the pleasure. We need to get to Mars and have this new life and all these things because that's always long-term. I just love how you just broke that down though because that's how your life has been. That's how my life has been. I was sick of being a nurse uh, in the sense of like, I love nurses, but it wasn't my calling. I felt like I wasn't helping people the way I could. This guy came in with a life-threatening heart attack on the deathbed. He basically, I save his life and his family comes in. His kids are there. And his wife is there and I'm young. I'm a young buck. I have no personal development. I don't know what this stuff is really meaning, but it was a very emotionally charged experience. And I'm seeing literally as a healthy person, like take care of myself. How is this man that probably shouldn't be having a heart attack? He should have took care of himself. How is he going to literally leave his family like this because of his, his actions he could have prevented? Mm. And so I'm over here. I'm like, okay, well, I saved his life. He sees his family, he sees me. He's like so distraught. And he's like, whatever, like, tell me what I got to do, Jake. So I'm telling him all the prescriptions, all the pills, his family's there. I'm teaching him what to do. And I was like, cool. I saved a life. Like this was like such a new experience for me. It was like, it was like you being on Forbes, the, the best of the best. So exciting. And then a couple months later, this man comes in with another heart attack while I'm working in the ER. And that was that drop off of like, I, I thought I saved your life, my dude. Like, how do you do this to your kids twice? And that's what ripped me apart and put me on my path for entrepreneurship because I was like, I cannot keep doing that. I don't feel called, I feel like burnt out. So I totally understand where your story comes from. And you know, for you listening right now, think about your story as well. Like what is that story and that mission, that aggravation as you say, I like that aggravation that's gonna get you out of here. So when you finish listening to this podcast, you're gonna go and do something. You're gonna pick up that phone and go and call that person you've been holding off on. You're gonna go pitch that opportunity to someone that you've been so scared about, but like what is there to lose? The biggest thing to lose is that you miss an opportunity, the, the pain of regret, as they say. And you have such a great example, and I just wanted to really add that in, my friend. But, uh, dude, let's, let's, let's uh, I, you know, there's so many stories, but I really want to talk about the Go For Stupid book. This book here, Steve, literally from what I've seen is it has, you have like, what, seven main principles within the book? or Yeah, there's 12 chapters in there, and they run through basic principles of, of, of mindset, challenge, support connection, communication. So what can you share with the audience? Because this, this book uh, releases when? October 18th? October 18th on Amazon, okay. yep. October 18th, so you're gonna be able to find this, but share a little, little nuggets from this book so people could see why it's so important to learn from you on a deeper level. So this book, again, like most things in life, it came from aggravation and it came from COVID, okay? Because mm. COVID came across and I remember I'd gone to a Mexican restaurant in Malibu and got home and then there's on the news going, hey, everything shuts down. And it was a horrible restaurant that I'd been to. And I was like, damn, my last meal for like three months, because <laughs> we all thought it was going to be temporary. Yeah. Was it a bad Mexican? You know, I'd gone to Spargo or something. Um, 
And I was sitting there, and then within the first week, I was like, hey, this is good. You know, I've got so much time. I'm not flying. I'm not riding. I'm not traveling. It was like I'd been given a nine-day week. I suddenly had all of this time to work on my media company, on my, my podcast, on all these different things. And then all of a sudden, I got people going, oh, what can I binge watch on Netflix? And all of a sudden, they wanted to waste their life. And this started to aggravate me. So I started doing little memes on, you know, Instagram and stuff like that. And I'm not the most subtle person in the world. And I was aggravated about this. And then it got worse. COVID continued. No one knew it was going to go on for two years and it's still kind of kicking around with us now. But all of a sudden, in a time frame when all of us should be connected with the exact same problem, we've never, ever had it in our lives, in other generations, when the entire planet can have a conversation mm-hmm. about the exact same thing. Not the world wars, not the depressions, but about COVID, you could phone up anyone in the world and they could talk about COVID. During that period when we should be supporting people, two toxic societies suddenly were formed. The cancel culture and the gotcha society. Man. In a time when we can't communicate... We've now chosen, well, fuck it, we're going to find people and we're going to find out what they dressed up in in 1973. We're going to put it as a meme and we're going to cancel their career. And we're going to find this little, we're going to find this little bit and we're going to make a joke of it and we're going to put it up on the boomerang and we're going to laugh at them. Rather than support people in our darkest hour, we wanted to, to mm. jeer at them. This really pissed me off. Mm. And I started going around to my friends going, how do you handle this negativity? How do you handle the people that are jeering at you? And I got that information. Mm. And I put it in the stories. Let me, let me give you a yeah. b- big example. Please. Do you have a car? Yes. What car do you have? Uh, Dodge Charger. Dodge Charger. Nice. Yeah. Do you like trucks? Um, I don't have one, so not, not as much as a Dodge Charger. Not really. Do you want a truck? I mean, if it's free and like it's a nice one. All right. Know. Did you watch Elon Musk's unveil of his Cybertruck? I did. So let me get this right. You watched the unveiling of a Cybertruck, but you have absolutely no interest whatsoever unless it was free. <laughs> but you watched it. Yeah. So he grabbed your attention. And yeah, I used that yeah. story with everyone. Everyone saw it. Yeah. Whether they were interested in a truck or not. Yeah. And in the two-hour live stream, he sold every pre-order slot before we even had the manufacturing yeah. plant for the truck. Now, wouldn't you like to be in a situation where every product that you sold was sold out before you even started producing it? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to do a show where people that weren't even interested in the topic were so compelled to watch it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what were the news headlines the following day from the unveiling of that truck? It was about the, him cracking the window, wasn't it? So he invented something which had never been done before. Different body panels, different composites, weird-ass shape. Yeah. And it had bulletproof glass. Yeah. And he had sold out of every single one of them before the end of the live stream. But rather than revere this, we wanted to take the piss out of him. Yeah. Hey, yeah, bulletproof. Now, I don't know about you, but if one of the specifications of a vehicle you're buying is bulletproof glass... You've got bigger problems, mm-hmm. okay? But rather than revere him, we wanted to laugh at him. 
And that's the society that's we're the in. Society I'm too. like, it You're shouldn't be like preaching this right now, man. Preaching. I agree with you. I actually, not only did I have those conversations, which I put in the book, I talked about how I had got over the naysayers, how you're supposed to pick the room you're in, how you're supposed to select those people that look after you and remove yourself from the toxicity. Mm. But then I actually, and it was Peter Diamandis that helped me with this, I went back in history and found out that we weren't even any smarter back then. Mm. Do you know they actually tried protesting against Henry Ford's development of the car? And do you know why they tried um, protesting? Why is that? They said... My horse can go through the woods, your car can't. That's why they protested. The Candle Society, and this is loony, the Candle Society and the Candle Makers Union protested against the development of the light bulb. You're going to love this bit because it was unsafe. Oh, my gosh. You know, Great Fire of London, all these kind of things never started with... So coffee, great they tried to ban coffee because of it's hallucinogenic. It was a drug. They actually tried banning coffee. As human beings, we're actually not very good with change, but we are damn freaking good at tearing people down. Yeah. And in, a, in an environment today where the number one skill that you can't download an app for is the one that we need. The ability to have a relationship, the ability to challenge each other, the ability to communicate with each other. Mm. That's what we should be focusing on. Now, I don't know how many years or summers I've got left, but I am really pissed off with the way that we're going. I've got Mm. three kids, and personally, I don't want them growing up in a society where we actually revere the ability to tear someone down for a mistake they made. Because I don't know about you, but I am sure shit glad... There weren't too many cameras on me when I was younger because yeah. I made fuck lots of mistakes. Yeah. And isn't those mistakes there to refine you and not define you? Mm. I had to pull the book out. So I pulled the book out to get people to change the way to communicate, change the way they actually look at things, how they can actually train their brain to look for opportunity. Mm. I'll, I'll just give you one little thing. Yeah. When was the last time a friend of yours brought a car over or you were in the lot in the lot looking at cars and you saw this strange colored car, maybe mustard yellow, for the point of this. You look at it and you go, that's a weird ass freaking color. If you're listening, you have a mustard yellow car. <laughs> You'll see the example that I'm talking about. We might have to change that coloring pretty soon. And we get you see this car and you've never seen that color before. And then you're driving down the road the following day. What's the only car you see color of? Only mustard yellow, man. That's how our brain works. When yeah. we recognize something, we see it. Yeah. When, we, when we recognize negativity, that's all we see. When we train our brain to see positivity and opportunity, that's all we see. Mm. So the book is there and tells you how I do it, how I've been able to kind of like steer away from the naysayers. Because, hey, as a 15-year-old kid out of school on a building site, to be dealing with Elon Musk and the Pope, you're already out of excuses. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, when people read this, are they, is it going to be audible, by the way, too? Yeah, audible probably won't be for about another six okay. months because I've got to get around to doing it. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to have your voice on it, by the way? I did the first one, which I found very surprising and also very painful. You know, <laughs> doing, doing an audio book in like a airless little box with no... Because me and you, we, we're in Santa Monica. Yeah. We love light and scenery. Yeah. <laughs> and I live up in the hills. So to spend an entire day and a half in a little studio was painful. 
but it did really well for me. So yes, I do promise I will do the audio. Yeah, version. Yeah, but there, it just it just adds the character. It, it reminds me of like uh, when I read uh, what was it, Green Light by Matthew McConaughey, and I got to actually hear his voice. Yeah. I was like, it adds to it, the the entire story and the feeling. And I can only imagine like listening to your book with your voice and your tonality, how much more engaging it is. But like when people read the book for itself, you know, Audible come out later. Like what, what, what do they expect out of this book? Like, is it, is it just a lot of like fluff and there's so many different stories or is it like broken down to like actual strategies? Cause I have a, you know, this is a strategic life podcast. So I have people that want the application. They want to know how to better communicate. Like what can they expect when they read this book and open up the first pages? You can expect no fluff. Okay. Good. Look at me. You know, I, I don't want to give you fluff. The whole point in there is to give you tactics and strategies. And here's the dumb thing. This book is a waste of your money. I'm telling you, it's probably the worst advertising planet. This is the shit that we should be doing normally. Mm. This is the stuff that we should be doing that for some reason, you've talked yourself out of and go, no, 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 I'd rather complicate my life rather than working on the simple shit. This is the basic principles of how to establish a relationship, how to support your peers, how to actually be there as part of the solution instead of the problem. It's all tactics. Yeah, I've got some stories in there of me and Elon and some good people that I've got up to, Richard Branson, Elton John. There's some little colorful bits of the kind of shit that I've got up to. And then I've told you how I got into it, mm. how I managed to pull this off so that you can. It's all about the tactics. I love it, dude. That's so exciting. I want to dive into, because the book itself, get the book. You'll be able to find it. Where should they best be able to find the book? You can, stevedsims.com is my website. It'll okay. be on the front page there. I'm Steve D. Sims absolutely everywhere, all okay. over. Anywhere you consume your media, look up Steve D. Sims and I'm going to be there. And of course, we'll announce the book when it comes out. And this will there. be on Amazon too? This will be on Amazon. So we'll okay. have a direct link straight, straight over to there. Awesome. So get the book on this, but I, I want to dive into, you know, because we have a lot of listeners that are aspiring speakers. They are maybe speaking, they're, they're podcasters, they're, they're, they're building businesses, but they're finding themselves have to speak in front of events and companies. Mm -hmm. When you transition, I think this is so important. I want to dive a little deeper with this. When you transition from being the, the Wizard of Oz, super connector, but no one knew about to then opening up this route of coaching and speaking and even plan on having that what would be some like tips or advice you've learned about the speaking realm? Like just with going out, whether it's a five minute or a 60 minute talk. That is a, that is a beautiful question that doesn't get, answered, uh, get asked enough. In the old days of speaking, there was this statement, and you've spoken, so you mm -hmm. know this shit. They go, know your audience. Gotta know your audience. You can't deliver the message unless you know the audience. Mm -hmm. That is still valid today. But there's a second one mm. that adds power. And here's the funny thing. Comedians know this better than most speakers. Know the temperature of the room. Mm. Okay? Today, like, you go to a comedy act. What goes on before the main, uh, the main comedian? It's a warm-up act. Mm -hmm. They get you ready to laugh. They get you prepared. If that person sucks or comes out with a bad joke that kills the room... The comedian that's following, he's got work to do to get him up to neutral mm. before he can get him back up again. So you've got to know the temperature of the room. If you're a speaker and you're going to speak on stage, know the audience, but know who's coming on before. And maybe have a word with them to find out what they're going to talk about. 
reach out and go, hey, we're sharing the same stage. Just what, what, What's your subject? How are you doing mm. it? How are you doing Get used to Not a lot of good speakers do this. I do it every single time. Wow. Know what my lead in is. Because that speaker's going to go off stage. Then you're going to get the MC come on and introduce you. But if people have fallen asleep because of this fella, that MC ain't going to do a good enough job. So you've got to understand about that. But here's the other thing. Know the temperature of the room because of today. Now look yes. at COVID. Yeah. COVID has got us depressed. We've been lied to. We've been manipulated. We've been massaged. Fake news. Cancel COVID. We're in a realm of noise and negativity today. Now, if you think back, you know, we're all some form of salesman, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. We're oh, all yeah. wordsmiths. Oh, yeah. Five years ago, okay, six years ago, pre-COVID, do you remember when you were in a store having a call on the phone, you're on a Zoom meet, and the person delivering the message is going down this slick-ass sales funnel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just go... My God, this is good. This is a <laughs> this is a masterclass on on feeding me down this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Now you know you're being led down right. this funnel, yep. but you're kind of you, res- is, you respect the game. You're like, wow, this guy's really good with it. I want to see where this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of it, you end up walking out with hair products, yeah, and you don't even have hair. <laughs> yeah, but you're so impressed with the with the pitch, you want to stay for the game. Yes, okay. Do we like that today? No. Because today we're not tolerant. Today we're angry. Today we're frustrated. I don't trust this website. I don't trust this news channel. Mm. I don't trust this. Five years ago, if you had a headline in the New York Times or in a big magazine, you'd be made. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, look at me on front page news. Today, what's the catchphrase? Fake news. Yeah. You in the newspaper? Gives a shit. Don't trust the newspaper. Don't read the newspaper. So you've got to understand the environment. Yeah. So how people good. are consuming it. What's happening in culture and society to make your maybe even your talk a little more relatable. Well, it's not a it's, it's your podcast. It's your it's your social channels. Understand that the room's temperature has changed. Mm. So deliver your message to know the audience, but to know what mood they're in. Mm. And if you can click that last one, and I've seen people going out there on stage, yeah, giving it all of this, doing yeah. that, look at this. They know the message, they know the problem, they know the audience, but they don't know what mood I'm in. Yeah. So in today's world, if I gave you a book on fluff and shit and told you, oh, I'm brilliant, I'm great, gives a fuck. You've got to be able to read a book today for one simple reason. How does it make you great? Yeah. How does it solve your problem? So you need to be direct because we don't have the patience anymore. Yeah, so good. So what happens when someone, you're speaking and someone's really cold before, they don't do anything to the audience. The audience is probably getting a little peeved in their seats, sitting for hours. What's some things that you've done to really shift it up that's outside of your normal talk? So I've got an introductory video that I had because there's one thing as a speaker that you really want to focus on, it's how you're introduced on stage. Yes. So always talk to the MC. Like if I'm going to do a reveal of the story of what I did with Elon Musk, I don't want you walking on stage going, oh, and he did this with Elon Musk. Because then you've just stole my punchline. Right. Okay. So you always need to make sure that is done. But if the energy was low from before, get yourself an intro video. In fact, on my, and I've got nothing to sell here, 
But on my website, stevedsims.com, I've got a speaker button. I've got my intro video up there. Oh, do you? You oh. can actually see it. Okay. And it's one minute long and it's upbeat. And sometimes I'll be watching this and I'll quickly run over and I'll be like, this video needs to go on. I need to get them thinking differently, yeah. reacting differently. Another thing I may do is an exercise. Break the pattern. Yes. You walk on stage and you go, right, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Here's a scoop. Everyone on this side of the room, every third chair, get up, go and sit over there, sit with someone new. Get them moving. Okay. Oh. I'm not the You see some people go, right, let's dance. Let's show. I couldn't do that. You're a fit guy. Maybe yeah. you'll have them doing press-ups. I can't do that, but I will have them move. Yeah. Or I'll have them do things. And I'll have them, you know, like stick their hands up in the air or just stand up. Anyone that's got this. Stand up, you know, and I'll just do different things just to break the pattern yeah. from what they had before. But you've got to change that pattern or they are going to think you're going to run off of this person. And if yeah. that person's boring, they're yeah. already looking at they're, you they're, going, they're oh already, my God, Yeah, they're already attaching you, you to it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you don't want that attachment. They're in this hypnotized state. They're sitting there like, literally, dude, this is so much nuggets, so many nuggets and so much wisdom that I know people are going to literally be like, taking notes on that this is what we want to hear there's gonna be so much in the book here but like like let's be real like your ability to go up on that stage is not because you've done all these speaking classes and yes you might be of might have been learning from some different experts but it's because you're being you you understand that you got to break the habit you got to understand that it's almost like you're going up on the 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 front stage of a comedy show like you got to get the people engaged you got to make sure what the temperature is and what if we started to look at every single time we show up on Instagram like that, every time that you're making an IG live, every time you're making a story, like it's not always just about you regurgitating the same stuff, but you got to know what's happening in the culture, make it relatable. It doesn't mean you have to conform to the culture, but make it in a way where it's like, like you said, you're going through this entire negativity of life and you got aggravated to create this book instead of you just constantly just like hounding and being so negative, you took that and made that into a positive, which is the birth of this book, the birth of your funny memes, all these good stuff. But like, that is that is just wisdom, my friend. What would be, as we kind of just wrap this interview up here, you know, you got the speaking tips, you got how you keep them engaged. What's one tip that when you are speaking to leave, like let's say an unforgettable impression, let alone you're unforgettable yourself, just the way you show up, <laughs> But like, what would be one way you could teach maybe the listener here on how to leave an unforgettable impression or how to make sure that they remember what you shared and you stand out? So don't give too much information. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you need to drink because you're really, really thirsty, you're not going to be able to do that if you stick your head in Niagara Falls. Okay. So don't give people too much information. So make sure when you do go up on there, you drop three nuggets, you, you repeat them, you expose them and that they can saturate into your community. But your funny, your funny second part of that question always makes me giggle. We're all completely different. Me and you, we're completely different. Find anyone out. You could knock on any other door in this complex and the person that comes to the door will be completely different to me and you. Mm -hmm. But what's the first thing that we do today we conform? You know, you're a stockbroker. I've got to look like this. I'm a, I'm a tech nerd. I've got to look like this. I'm a speaker. I've got mm -hmm. to look like this. Stop it. Don't try any of that stuff. Show up by first standing up. 
Be you, okay? Mm. Be proudly you. And again, understand, you being on stage, you doing the IG, you doing your content, it's fuck all to do with you. It's about them. And if you just show up with that, you'll attract and you leave them with a message. The second you go, oh my God, I can't do a video today because of my hair, or I can't do this, I'm looking really fat in this t-shirt, you've lost the plot. It ain't about you. Social is not about you. The stage is not about you. It's solving and aggravating and propelling them. What a paradigm shift on that. It's like what I say, and I heard this from one of my good friends, John Gordon. It's not about you looking like the genius up there because that puts all the pressure on you. It's about you helping extract the genius from the people in the audience, the people watching the story. Yep. It takes all the pressure off you, and it's really just that servant heart. Help them become their best self, and now you don't have the pressure, and you just you exemplified that. My man, this has been so good. I, I, I got a question. What does, what does creating a strategic life mean to you? Oh, well, creating a st- for a start, I'm selfish. I am an incredibly selfish person. And as I've got older, I've got more selfish. And a lot of people think that's a bad thing because our mum always says, don't be selfish, share your sweets. Yes. I'm selfish today with who I share my time with who I speak to, who I communicate with, what I'm doing. So I actually make sure that everything I do, I move with purpose. I wanted to meet you. I'd heard good things. I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to expose the book, but I wanted to have the conversation. I wanted to ride my bike down PCH. I'm going to go and meet some friends for breakfast. So I move with purpose. Nothing's ad hoc, okay? That's what you've got to do today. You've got to start being selfish with your time. If you're going to go and have a coffee tonight with a bunch of your friends... And half of the friends you don't want to have coffee with, don't go. I think here in America, we do something besides coffee. We actually do it's these things called alcohol and beer at night. We do a few of them. I don't know what they do in your hometown doing coffee at night. But you've got you to be picky. You've got to be picky and selfish with your yes. time. And who you give your time, energy, and challenge with. So me, being strategic is, look, hey, I'm not going to get any younger. I'm sure shit not going to get any prettier but I do have to create more impact. Mm. So my strategic life is like, where can I create impact? And COVID gave it to us. COVID gave us a nine day week. We had more time to create impact. So for those little fluffies out there that just wanted to binge watch Netflix, please don't cross paths with me because we have nothing in common. Yeah, so good, man. Guys, listen into this man and understand that all this is in his book, Go For Stupid. Find that on Amazon. Find that on his site. We'll have all the stuff in the, sh- uh, the show notes below, the links. I'm excited to listen to this. Your, your book, Blue Fishing, by the way, because we crossed path recently. This is the cool thing, too. We crossed path because of a relationship, a yeah. mutual connection yep. that introduced us. And because we trusted the mutual connection, now we're here today. And yeah. that's such a beautiful way that you're only one person away, one decision away, one step away from a completely different life. But I'm really looking forward to reading the Bluefish, which Blue Fishing, which is uh, Audible, oh, right? Yeah, that is. Oh, I'm gonna soak that up in literally a day. Is there any final thoughts or things you want to leave our listeners with? I'll give you a quote from my dad, who was a thick-headed Irish lad. He wasn't the smartest tool in the shed, but one day he said to me, "Son, remember this: no one ever drowned by falling in the water; they drowned by staying there." Drop the mic. I'll leave that. That's so good. My brother, thank you for having here. I just want to acknowledge you really quick as we wrap up. Just you are such a unique gift. This has been a such pleasure. You know, like like I said, we you kind of came into my world both yeah. vice versa randomly. 
at random quote unquote, but like the moment you came in here, just a ball of light, so unique, so different with the way that you provide your message. And I really love how you've been with your wife for 30 years. It is. I'm a very, very lucky man and I don't ever want to question it. I just want to make sure that <laughs> for the rest of my life, I can uh, look, look up and uh, make her happy about her decision. It's, it's beautiful. And you know, I'm with the love of my life for three years and um, it's to see your success and the way you've, like you said, you've danced your life, you've moved and you've, and you've, you almost have a rhythm to you. It's, it's really admirable to see how you have a rhythm with your wife and keeping that and letting your success, all the things you've done, not impact the way that you look at her. And I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of people when they get that success or they think that they're all high and mighty, they forget about the one that's the most loving next to them. And oh just, yeah, they do. That's usually the, uh, the first and biggest mistake they make. Yeah. I'm not gonna make that, I, I'm stupid. But I ain't that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for setting that example. There's a lot of men that's going to be really respecting that and the women listening too. So get his book, Go For Stupid. This has been an amazing interview with Mr. Steve Sims. Thanks for having you here, brother. Thank that's you so fun. much.